I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Brian White. I'm so glad you're here this morning. A um, lot going on. I'm really, uh, Trevor was talking about Honduras. Uh, we're really excited. Uh, we have about two dozen people, I think, going um, in, I think, about three or four weeks. And Emily's going right there, and Charles is going over here. Uh, we have, it's going to be a great trip, and a bunch of youth. Um, and I'm really excited. I had not seen that video. I've been up there many, many, many times. Um, and that's an amazing gift already, uh, just to be able to have water for kids. Um, so we're in a series uh, called On Earth As It Is in Heaven, and this comes from a prayer Jesus taught us. If you remember in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're trying to ta- understand what he meant, because he talked about this over and over and over again. Half of the time when Jesus talked about um, the kingdom, he meant the kingdom that will come. And half of the time that he talked about the kingdom, he meant we can experience the kingdom right here, right now. I know that village up there, when they saw that water coming through, that was on earth as it is in heaven for them. That's what this series is all about. God is at work in the world, and God invites us to be a part of that work. Um, But but that's not all, because God wants to work through our lives through our actions to make it more on earth as it is in heaven. So we've been interviewing people over the last couple weeks, uh, trying to find examples from our church, people who are living out uh, this kingdom work. And we have a very special interview for Memorial Day weekend. And I want to introduce you to two friends from our church. One is Art King, and Art, um, Vietnam Army veteran. He's been serving as a veteran of foreign wars chaplain for the last 15 years. And another one, Aaron Pickett, who joined the Navy right after September 11, uh, served for 10 years, served 10 more years as a reserve officer. He's still, he's actually a commander with the the Naval Reserve, um, and he's based out of Minneapolis, and he has just started um, being a chaplain for the VFW as well. And and I thought it would be really interesting for us uh, and a blessing for them to reflect on their, their calling as veteran foreign war chaplains, but also reflecting on the legacy of those who have gone on and given their lives for our country. And so I want to share this interview with you. The veterans who gave it all. And uh, it's important to, to look back and know what they did and and acknowledge what they've done for us. And I think it's also a time to reflect on veterans in general. Uh, you will have a lot of veterans that show up to that event, and a lot of them are thinking of their buddies they lost. And uh, so it's a time for them. It's, it's an important time. I think um, Veterans Day were reminded that, that these veterans no longer have a voice, and there comes a certain obligation in us to help remember, to help carry on what they sacrificed for and and to really ask ourselves, you know, if they paid their last full measure of devotion, what can I pay? I know when I got out of the service, I went directly to the University of Maryland and had uh, 40,000 students and it was like a culture shock from going to college before that time period and going after. There was a lot of 
changes the society. And I kind of wished I had somebody to talk to. Um, um, I think I would like to do like weekly coffee with young veterans mm -hmm. and just to make sure they're okay. Because right. suicide rate's rather high, unfortunately. 22 a day. And then they do like three tours and things like that, disrupts family and disrupts your life. And uh, I just like to, like our VFW post to start doing things like that. Take that on uh, just to make sure they're okay. As I uh, meet one of my friends who's a veteran uh, once a week and uh, just spend time with them. And uh, we have a lot of veterans who are, uh, can out, can no longer get out. And I think that's one of the more important things I do now is uh, starting with him and I think I want to do more and, and continue that. I, I think a big need um, that veterans have is a need for, for shared understanding, for community that, that you can relate your experiences without fear of judgment or just having the language barrier that a lot of times you see between, between military and people who haven't served. I think we had that more in prior generations, but maybe from, I would say, Vietnam onward, that shared understanding just wasn't there anymore. And it's so important for veterans to be able to come home and relate their stories and, and kind of take those memories and re-imprint them in a safe environment. It reminds me of one of my favorite Norman Rockwell paintings from you know, 1945, post-war era. It's called The War Hero, and it just shows a, a Marine that looks way too young, sitting in a garage with a bunch of older guys and a couple of kids, and he's just talking. He's holding a Japanese battle flag. He looks gaunt and tired, and, and everyone's just kind of staring intently at him as he tells the story. And so that's, when I joined the VFW a year ago, it was a thought of helping to rebuild community and some of the things and institutions that we've lost uh, through lockdown and everything else. Yeah, if I could do it all over again, I, I would tell myself, get out of your comfort zone. Do it earlier, I, I wished I had. And uh, I, I certainly enjoy what I do a lot more and feel like do more than when I initially started. I get much, much more out of it. I, I was at the post last night for a routine administrative function and I turned to the, the older gentleman next to me and, and just asked, hey, how you, how you been holding up? And his response was fragile. And we talked for a good 20 minutes after that. Uh, you just never know, but you know to be on your guard, you know to ask. Um, we talk about the general orders of a watchstander and, and one of them is, you know, to remain always alert, observe everything that takes place inside or hearing. And then there's, there's an emotional aspect to that too of, of Pay attention to the guys around you. Know how they're doing, know when something's different, and ask the hard questions. Get outside your comfort zone yeah. and, and be ready to, to listen. I think at funerals I've learned that you're comforting the family, um, you're reassuring them, and you're giving the message that that person mattered. And that's my message that I try to get across. I think we carry in our, in our work as Christians a sense of dignity and respect for the value of life. And and we can communicate that in ways verbal and nonverbal that helps reaffirm people that really have lost purpose maybe coming out of the military that don't know why they went through all the experiences they have, some very horrible. And so carrying that, that sense of dignity and worth um, can help. There's also just, you know, the first word in the Great Commission, go. and and. There's, there's a role in, in every environment, every workplace, every social club. There, there's a role for us to go be salt and light and help, and help bring hope.
Art and Aaron are definitely salt and light. And um, they embody hope. Uh, you know, they do kingdom work. God is making it more on earth as it is in heaven through their lives. And I, I'm honored to be their friend, their pastor. Um, a couple weeks ago, we looked at a story from Matthew. If you remember back, if you were here, and, and it had to do with John the Baptist's disciples. And, and John the Baptist, he was in prison and he sent his disciples to Jesus. And he had them ask, are, are you the Messiah or, or is there somebody else coming? And, and I just think that's so interesting because basically what that meant was, you know, Jesus, you're not the Messiah I was looking for. You're not the Messiah I expected. And, and that's a big deal because, you know, John was Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. And, and God had called him to go ahead of Jesus and, and to prepare his way and to announce that the Messiah is here. So if John questioned Jesus as Messiah, you know, we shouldn't be surprised over and over and over and over in the Gospels, Jesus doesn't match the expectations. So John called for a Messiah that would bring just fire and vengeance. You remember he said, you know, the axe is at the tree and he's he going to cut you all down. But that was not Jesus at all. Jesus was nothing like the Messiah that Jesus or John had expected. But that's not all. The, the, the bigger issue is the kingdom that Jesus described was nothing like the kingdom that John called for and that John expected John the Baptist wanted Jesus to be a warrior Messiah who would just decimate the Romans, Herod everyone, and then would establish his kingdom from Jerusalem with John at his side. That wasn't anything like the kingdom that Jesus described over and over. So John sent his disciples, asked Jesus, is there somebody else coming and I want to pick up right where Jesus, or, uh, John the Baptist's disciples left Jesus and his disciples, and they talked about this. Matthew eleven seven. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes, they're in royal places. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, more than a prophet. This was the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. And then he goes on. He says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent have taken it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John came, and if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Let anyone with ears listen. Something huge happens in this passage. Something huge. So if you know me, you know I kind of like tools. 
And a couple, you know, about 10 years ago, I guess, I don't know, um, a friend of mine said, he was looking at my, my skill saw that I had, and it was corded. And, and I remember him saying, you know, you need to get a cordless skill. It, it'll change your life. <laughs> and he's right. So I was looking for, actually, at first I was looking for my, my I, I gave away my corded drill because, uh, you know, I, I haven't used it since I got a cordless drill. And I thought about hauling out my... Um, Corded Sawzall, but, you know, it's up in a box somewhere in my shop because ever since I got a cordless skill saw, I've never even looked at it. And somewhere back there is a corded circular saw. But I will never use it again, ever. <laughs> that break is amazing. I mean, it just, like, stops right there. It's, it's, yeah, it's so cool. Those saws are basically worthless for me anymore. I mean, I've given away a lot of my old corded tools. I still have my router. I'm not going to give that up. But the point is, they're obsolete. I used them a lot. I learned a lot from them. But after this upgrade, they're just kind of wasting space in my shop. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. So he was honoring John the Baptist. Don't misunderstand me. But he was saying, as great as John was, everything has changed. Jesus says now, he was the greatest up until this moment, but now the least in the kingdom is greater than John. In Matthew 4.12, Jesus starts proclaiming the kingdom is at hand at a very, very specific time. And what happened? Well, that was the moment that John heard that, or Jesus heard that John the Baptist was thrown in prison. That was the moment he started proclaiming the kingdom is at hand. So by the time we get to Matthew 11 and John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus, Jesus is looking back on John's ministry and he's reflecting on who John the Baptist was and what he was all about. And he said, John, John was the culmination of a legacy. John was the tip of the spear of all biblical history. You know, the law and the prophets, it all led to the moment that John announced Jesus as the coming Messiah. He was to prepare the way for Jesus and to say the kingdom is at hand. So all of biblical history, I just think this is fact, all the law, all the prophets, everything in scripture was looking forward to something that wasn't yet, but now it is. It was all about the Messiah who would bring the kingdom. And as great as the law and the prophets are, Jesus said it's, it's, it's like a corded saw at this point. It's, it's just time to set it aside. I will never use a corded saw again. It's obsolete. This is what he's saying with the Law and the Prophets. And I think this is just fascinating. 
Not because the law and the prophets weren't telling the truth, but exactly because they did tell the truth. What they described, what they looked forward to, that's now. A new era has begun. The moment that Jesus announced the kingdom is here, the kingdom is at hand, the kingdom is now. So all of Israel's entire history from Abraham and Moses through the prophets all the way up to John the Baptist. It was all about preparing, getting ready for the Messiah who would bring the kingdom. And Jesus is saying preparation is over. It is now game time. John the Baptist, he says, was the greatest of all of the law and the prophets. But he's the last of that legacy. And he says, as great as John, as great as John was, from now on, it's all changed. There's different rules. Because even the most insignificant person who is living in the kingdom, meaning is hearing and is following Jesus' words, even, that person is greater. Because they're not looking forward to the kingdom because they get to experience the kingdom now. John prepared the way. Jesus says, that's me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And John announced the kingdom is coming. Jesus says, I brought it. But Jesus isn't just telling the crowds about John here. There's so much more going on under the surface. Jesus is talking about John. Matthew is talking about Jesus but we're supposed to see the very, very big picture about what God is doing, and that's the kingdom. And that's the point. Jesus brought a division in time. So much more than, you know, we think B.C., A.D., before Christ, after Christ. And, 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 and that's how the world has divided history for centuries, right? Jesus says John was the greatest figure of all history up until now. But it's all changed. The world has changed. The kingdom is here. And it's available. And the kingdom's tiniest, tiniest, tiniest person is greater than ancient history's greatest person. I am bringing the kingdom. He says, you can experience the kingdom. Now you can be a citizen of my kingdom. And you can share that kingdom with others. There is no greater experience... So I was so proud of our church yesterday, which is pretty much every day, um, but especially our youth yesterday. So yesterday, um, I know a lot of you probably know Andy and Melissa Naringina Purdue, and um, Andy had a stroke several years back, and it affected everything, and it changed their whole world. And so a group of our youth went yesterday to their house to help with their yard. And, and here's the, the, the beginning picture. Um, we had like 22 people there at one point. And then we have a video. Um, and, and, you know, this is, this is kingdom work, is my point. They're bringing beauty. They're bringing goodness. And the world is, frankly, a better place because of what they did yesterday. And I think so many people think for it to register on the God meter, you know, that we, we need to have some Mother Teresa-like level of action. 
and they don't end up doing anything because they're sitting on the couch waiting for some massive plan that God has for their lives to happen to them. What is kingdom work? What is kingdom work? It is, is it waiting on the couch or is it actually just doing something? We don't need to go to India and start a ministry for the death and dying to be able to bring about the kingdom. We can work with a family in our own neighborhood who needs some help. This is significant. This is making the world a better place. This is glimpsing God's rule on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I was going to talk a whole lot about that, this message, when we planned out this series um, a while back. But that all changed this week, frankly. It was in Texas. 18 children were shot. Or an 18-year-old, excuse me, shot 19 children and two adults. And we're finding as school police held everyone outside for about an hour. Finally, some Border Patrol agents and some local police officers decided they had enough. And as I understand it, they got the janitor to open up the door so they could go out and shoot the killer. I'll tell you, that really changed how I read two verses in this passage. Verse 11 and 12. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women... No one has ever arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. And the violent have taken it by force. The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. And the violent have taken it by force. Honestly, I, I never really thought much about this line until Tuesday. Or Tuesday. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever read this passage the same now. If Jesus brought the kingdom, and if Jesus brought a new era in history, that means the most insignificant in his kingdom is greater than ancient history. How can the violent take it by force? Because those little kids suffered violence last week. And the kingdom lost ground last week. Something's wrong. Verse 11 says the kingdom is the new world, but verse 12 says the kingdom is a violated world. There was a news story I heard from Tuesday about a mother outside at Rob Elementary, and, and she was upset. And so they handcuffed her and they put her in the back of a police car while kids are being shot in school. Because she was worried about her kids. She should have been upset. 
active shooter in her kid's school. And as the news reported, they finally let her go. She went around the back of the school, got into the school, found her own kids and took them out while the shooter was still in the school. I've had a ton of training on active shooters and imminent threats and everything you know, by the local police. And in those classes, they always say the same thing. They say, we will never get there on time, but we will always end it. And they say, you know, your job is to do whatever and everything you can in that interim until we get there, knowing that we will get there as soon as we can. That did not happen in Texas. And I know members of the SWAT team, and I've had tra training with the SWAT team, and we have several police officers here, and I love them, and I know them, and I trust them. But they had to wait an hour. And I'm angry. And I'm sad, and I'm upset, and everything in between. And so I go to the Bible, and I try to understand what's going on here. I believe Jesus was God incarnate. And I believe Jesus brought the kingdom. And I believe Jesus was killed. And I believe Jesus was raised from the dead. And I believe we're living in the in-between time. The kingdom is present. The kingdom is available. And the story is not over. King Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. But how can this happen if the kingdom is here now? If we can experience it in the present now, I think this is something we're all going to struggle with all of our lives. But it hits so hard when something like this happens. Rob Elementary, Uvalde, Texas. You know, Jesus once told his disciples that he was going to be crucified. And what Peter responded, no, Lord, that will never happen to you. Suffering is not part of the story in the kingdom, Lord, right? You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. And this is so hard. But the kingdom in this world is a victim, not a victor. Exhibit A, John in prison when Jesus said this. Exhibit B, John beheaded. Exhibit C, a cross, a crucifixion, a very violent death, a tomb. That was the path of the Messiah that brought the kingdom. We don't need any more evidence. But we have it. The kingdom is real. But in this age, the kingdom can still suffer violence from violent enemies. Listen to what Jesus says in the next couple verses. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John came. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who was to come. Let anyone with ears listen. Until means the Old Testament prophecies had a limit. 
That was when the Messianic king would take over and when his word became the new prophecy. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration. So Jesus, up on the mountain, became dazzling white, and they saw he was with Moses, who represented the law, Elijah, who represented the prophets. And the three are talking, and then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are gone. They're just disappeared. And the disciples only see Jesus. And they hear a voice from heaven says, This is my son, listen to him. The age of the law and the prophets is over. The age of the sun has begun. The kingdom is at hand. God says, listen to him. But he wouldn't say listen if we didn't have a choice to not listen. We could choose not to listen. Because Jesus was the point of it all. Everything that happened... Everything that came afterward, all the way to the second coming, when he returns to judge, we're living in that in-between time. Right now, the kingdom, it can expand, but it can also fall back. And we, as citizens of the kingdom, can take ground away from the darkness, but we can lose that ground as well. We are to fight injustice. We are to nurture the kingdom. To help it grow more on earth. Like it does in heaven. It's like an organic process. But don't for a minute think the kingdom can't lose ground. Or beep. Amber alert. alert. I've been trained. We're in the in-between time. What is it? We should have prayer. Child abducted. abducted. Let's just stop and have prayer. Lord, we lift up this child. As citizens of your kingdom, we offer this space that your kingdom not lose ground. We ask your anointing upon the, the officers that are pursuing, searching, We ask that your will might be done in this moment. Help us to experience your kingdom. Amen. That, last week, reminds us how high the stakes are. The victory's won, but the fight's not over. Evil is real. Evil is present. You know, I want to talk about some of the finer points of this passage. How Jesus says the Old Testament prophets had one job and one job only. That was the point to the Messiah. They're retired. Like that saw. And when we read them in a way that does not focus on Jesus... And Jesus alone, like predicting the Antichrist or predicting terrorism or predicting the Armageddon or Nazis or whatever you got, we're focusing on something that is not the point. 
Jesus says the job of the law and the prophets was to point to the Messiah, nothing else, period, that's it. They're not a code to predict the future or decipher our present. Don't make them into a crystal ball. They're about Jesus and Jesus alone. I love, Dale Bruner wrote, any Old Testament prophecy that goes around, over, or even through, but still past John and Jesus and into modern events is not prophecy, but voodoo. They're Christocentric. They're about Jesus. The Old Testament is not about the late great planet Earth or the left behind or any and all. They're exclusively about the Messiah. The Messiah come, the Messiah coming, about him. Anything else dishonors Jesus. By refocusing our attention from the fulfillment of Scripture and the complete sufficiency of Jesus. Those false prophecies don't help at all when something like last week's shooting happens, is the point. Jesus experienced powerful opposition from Jewish authorities. When he started his ministry, John the Baptist was imprisoned. He was killed. That's how the world responds to God's messengers. It responds with violence. The same thing happened to Jesus. But violence did not win, and ultimately, it will never win. I think it's fascinating. Jesus Jesus said the kingdom of God could experience suffering and be vulnerable to violence. The fact that he did shows how authentic he is and how authentic the kingdom is. Because we live in the promise of the future, but we're not there yet. The victory has been won, but he hasn't returned to set things straight. But as citizens of the kingdom, we are to live our lives in such a way that we experience God's rule on earth as it is in heaven. And we have so much work to do. And today we remember. We remember those who have gone on before. We remember those who have died for our freedom. We remember the victims, the children and the adults from last week. And we remember we live in a world where tragedy and violence and suffering are real. But we're kingdom people. We are called to make it more on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to give us a couple opportunities. The first, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to come forth and, and to light a candle. Um, many of us have friends, family who have passed on in a war, veterans. Many of us lost someone this last year. Our family lost uh, Benetta Day this last week. But I also want us to remember those children and their families in Texas. And us to pray, how is God in the midst of this situation calling us to make it more on earth as it is in heaven? This Wednesday night, we have a healing gathering, a prayer gathering, and I want to invite you to come to that. And it's an opportunity for prayer. And maybe that's for you, uh, you know, it's, it's for healing. We believe in physical, mental, emotional, spiritual healing. 
And you'll be able to come and you'll be able to speak with a, a pastor, spiritual leader in the church and to have people lay hands, pray on you. If you don't want to lay hands, it's all good. But it's an opportunity for prayer. And also I think it's an opportunity for us to pray for our nation, to pray for our country, to pray for our world that through our lives, God may make it more on earth as it is in heaven. I ask you to join me right now, not because you must, but because you may. Amen.